for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. That me on? Oh, right, okay. I was enjoying that. <laughs> um, thank you for the guys who put the stage up. I'm not going to speak from the stage because you're all sitting down. And uh, the reason we put the stage up there, and we must be good boys on this one, good boys and girls, is that when we're all standing up worshipping and somebody contributes, if they come to the front and they don't stand on here, you can't see who's sharing it. So that's the reason why we we have that on. Um, Oh, I love Steve Bree. He's a he's a he's a he's a one-off that man. Um, now, um, we're going to be talking today about encountering the Father's provision. Because Father has said that he will provide for us. He knows us, our Heavenly Father knows all that we need. Now, last week, the undergirding messages from Nelson and Catherine's ministry was that the fact that God, the Father, is good. All the time. And it's vital that we grasp that truth. God is good all the time. And we're going to be reading in a few minutes Matthew 6, where Jesus just unpacks what the Father's goodness looks like to us. But the challenge for us is that God's arch enemy, Satan, still whispers in our ears, as he did to Adam and Eve, those first people, insinuations that God doesn't care that he's a meanie. You know, be like one of those dads that when the ice cream van comes around and the music plays, the dad says to the kids, oh, that means there's no ice cream left on the ice cream van. <laughs> yeah, that's mean. Hands up who's done that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but we have an enemy who will whisper... And the truth is, it's how we deal with those insinuations in, in times of transition or times of need. It means whether we'll come through well or not. We need to ensure that we're internally aligned to what God has said about himself, that he is a good God, all the time. And if you're not seeing it, it's not that God's goodness has changed, it's that He's working things together for your greater good because God is good all the time. And that's a challenge for us all, isn't it? I just want to say I am surrounded, you are surrounded by people in this church who understand so much about the Father God that he is our provider. Not a heavenly sugar daddy that is there to keep us happy and meet every want. God said, I'll never keep you happy. It's not a promise he's willing to keep. But he says, I'm a good God, and I'll meet all your needs. And it's a big lesson for us all to learn, church, that we don't measure our self-worth by our net worth. Okay? We don't measure our self-worth by our net worth. So please be discerning, will you? If, you? if you've got access to God TV, some of it's good, some of it's not good. Some of it is quite depressing, I have to say. Some, because with one or two channels, just be aware where there's constant appeals for money. 
That's not God's heart. You give and you'll get blessed. Yeah, we know that, but that's a, a principle being abused in an ungodly way. Ungodly way. John Piper, some of you won't even know John Piper, but trust me, he's a good one. Right? He's a good pastor and theologian. He said this, in answering a question on the six keys to detecting the so-called prosperity gospel, one key said this, watch out for the absence of dealing with tensions in scripture. That is, does the preacher bring up passages that seem like problems with the ones he's dealing with? And then give a careful explanation to show how they all really fit together. Or is he content just to say what seems to be in one text and never ever raise the question? There may be ten other texts that seem to say something else. That is good advice. So you don't choose one proof text and build a whole doctrine on one text where if scripture in other parts seems to complement or contradict that because scripture will interpret itself for instance in 3 John that's the third letter the the apostle John wrote to to the churches he said this in 1-2 beloved I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers now I've heard televangelists telepreachers preach on a whole doctrine of prosperity on that verse that's not what John's on about Another translation of the same verse. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it, is, as it goes well with your soul. That's great. I mean, that's a great, great comment, isn't it? But I'm not going to build a philosophy, a doctrinal philosophy on that then releases me to spend money on things I, I can't afford and to always have the top stuff. You see, to build a whole biblical worldview from one verse misses the point. I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, the Apostle Paul, who was commissioned by the Lord Jesus, all scriptures inspired by God for teaching reproof, and so on and so forth, he says this, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. You just have to look at what's happening with Greece at the moment. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Well, there you go. I can spend it all and do what I want, because God wants me to enjoy life. I'm not sure Paul was saying that. Clearly, here the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is not saying that if you are rich, you can't be a Christian. Not saying that. Absolutely not saying that. And you are rich. You are in the top few percent of the world's richest people today. You need to know that. You're rich. But he's not saying that any more than he's saying he's advocating that all Christians should aim to be rich. Don't that make that your aim? God doesn't have a problem with us having things, but he does have a problem with things having us. The Apostle Paul writes that we should put our trust in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. I don't think the Apostle Paul was thinking of a 3.5 litre fuel injection TDI donkey. He just wasn't thinking that. (laughs) 
We've, I've got... Um, do you ever get those free CDs out of the mail or the paper, whatever paper you get? I've got a free CD, Legends, Meatloaf, Fleetwood Mac, Janis Joplin. Have you ever heard of Janis Joplin? Anybody ever heard of her? Yeah. She, three days before she died, she wrote, she, she'd, she'd gone in a, um, a, um, a fellow songwriter's um, Mercedes-Benz car. So she, she goes into recording studio and she just records a song. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? Next verse. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? I'm counting on you, Lord. Please don't let me down. Prove that you love me and buy the next round. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a night on the town? In Philippians 4, verse 10 to 13, uh, these, these, this is um, Paul writing to the church at Philippi. And he's, he's, Paul's really pouring out his heart, really, what he, the lessons he's learnt in life. Very profound. 10 to 13. Just love opening the Bible. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me, for indeed you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living or in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We know that verse, don't we, many of you? Many of you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I said that at the start of a marathon once and it didn't really seem to work. <laughs> I got there, but I nearly died. But Paul is talking in that, that he has learned that he can do all things through Christ who gives me strength to be content. You see, comparison, you'll keep hearing this through the years at Gateway, comparison is the enemy of contentment. I really like my car, I'm content with it. It's a good one, isn't it, Nelson, because we've got the same one. It's good, isn't it? So a good, solid car. I'm fine until I go into a, po- into a posher car and I'm thinking, oh, that's nice. And all of a sudden, mine's not so nice. That's because of me. And I'm ordinary like you. If we can turn to Matthew chapter 6, the main verses for today. Can I just say, in this comparison is the enemy of contentment, um, Paul had learned to be content. Um, I'm a year older than last year, and you, so are you. And what many of us find as we get older, we get more joy out of the simple things. So we're going camping this year, it's great. Just sit there in front of a tent with a glass of wine and some cheese and bread that for us that's great Richard and I went to a garden centre this week we looked at a fuchsias 
And we were just, this guy's mesmerised by few, um, garden centres because you, Richard, used to work in it, it's lovely. And, and just seeing the different kinds of fuchsias. And we were getting so much pleasure from looking at fuchsias. That's my favourite plant. I want you to know that. Okay. <laughs> Don't judge. <laughs> I just, there's a beauty in it. Beauty. I've actually drawn fuchsias. Coloured, I, I love looking at the beauty of God's creation. Now you think, that's not very manly. Well, look what Jesus said in, man, in man, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is not life more than... Te- Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? Question. Question. Who of you is worrying, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? That's a key verse. O you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, you can see Ashford, Sunday morning at the outlet mouth. Come to get the label. Fine. But, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. This is such good teaching, isn't it? Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, Jesus said that. Each day, today, you're going to have trouble. Isn't Jesus encouraging? And tomorrow you're going to have trouble, so don't worry about tomorrow because God will be faithful tomorrow. And this thing about clothes, it's a big, isn't it? I mean, I've got to say, we were in a pre-meeting prayer meeting this morning and Steve Bree walked in. (laughs) I've got to admit, I didn't know that he was dressing up. So I just thought, Steve, I thought this, I've got to I confess it, I thought, Steve, what are you wearing this week? <laughs> I just thought, and I looked at it, I mean, Steve, come on, you might as well, we might as well enjoy it this morning. Steve, come on up. You wanted to use this platform, Steve. You, you didn't have the hat on, that threw me. You, you walked in the prayer meeting without the hat and the glasses. Stand up here. I mean, just look at his socks. And his, <laughs> I mean, that is the... Now, I've got skinnies on, right? I know that's cool, I know. And they think, Graham's... No, you see, these are my sons. They're too big for him, so he gave them to me. So, but I think I'm cool, right? I look at Steve, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this is so difficult. <laughs> socks, 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 short trousers, a pair of shorts that don't match his shirt. It looks like he's got moss growing up his thighs. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I'm processing this, trying to pray. And I'm trying to be godly, but I'm being very ungodly. Have you ever been there with that? And so I, I, I get there and in. I, I think, I thought, do I say something? 
I, did, I thought, because it's correct, you know, faithful are the wounds of the friend. I thought, could he cope with it? And I, it, this is what I was thinking. And, um, <laughs> and I, I, looked, I looked and I thought, nah, it's not worth it. Because I know well, what's in most of the clothes, but I know you... And what you are is absolutely thrilling to me as a, as a fellow brother. And um, I thought, it don't matter about... Well, it does matter about you're wearing... <laughs> do want to be careful here. But, but you look... I, I, I thought, no, I'm not going to worry about that. Um, if that's his bag, fine. Uh, but I saw... I began to see how father sees is not bothered about, really, whether we match. Really. For Jesus said, really. And, and I felt, you know, Steve, God's not bothered whether you match. <laughs> but then I found out later he was dressing up on purpose. When I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you see... Phil, just come up on the stage a minute. I just... I mean, look, there's, there's one difference. He doesn't wear socks with short... With, uh, you see, so I'm thinking, Phil, do you... I think, well, Phil gets away with it, but Steve's trying, but he's failing, so... Oh, Phil, it's great. It's great to be in a fun family church. Jesus is promising that the Father will provide for all our needs. Not our wants or our must-haves. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else follows behind church. Let us seek God, kingdom, and his righteousness first. Not trying to look good and fit in. You fit in when you seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first. That's how you... Esther! Lovely to see you, hiding. Great to come back. Sorry, this is family. Goes on the internet, I don't care. We love you, we miss you. It's great to have you back for the weekend. Do I need Sky Sports? <laughs> Let, let's let's pick, get it down to the bone here, guys. Do I need, you see, Matt Mallet, he's got an issue now because... <laughs> Norwich have been promoted to the Premiership. And he's thinking, do I need it? And Tracy's saying, no, you don't need it. <laughs> you might want it, Matt, um, but you won't stay up anyway, so it's, it's a poor use of money. <laughs> but do I need shoes? Yes. So we know that Father wants to give us our daily bread, provision, and sustenance. How does God provide us? Well, firstly, through work. In Genesis chapter 1, 29, at the very beginning, God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. There's provision there. Well, that, in, that implied man would have to plant the seed, water, prune, pick, Prepare and eat. That's work. Work is good. Say to me, work is good. Work is good. Some of you are not convinced. 
But according to God, work is good and it's a gift from God. So when tomorrow, see it in a new light because that's God's way of providing for you. Work is good. Now, you may not be in paid employment, but work is good. I had a story this week of one person who has been volunteering to help somebody else. And I was profoundly moved by that story. Knowing that person themselves has lots of needs to be met. But rather than thinking about her own needs, she's thinking about the needs of others. That is New Testament Christianity. That's how we do church. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul said this, For even while we were with you, we will give you this command. Command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Wow, that's strong. That's not a political statement, but something fundamentally rooted in God's plan for man. We all should work in one way or another, whether it's paid or voluntary, to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So there is an overall message from Scripture that work is good. God ordained it as a means of providing. Yet still, in Jesus' prayer, there is a fundamental recognition that we don't take things for granted. In his Lord's Prayer, the prayer that he never prayed. He never prayed the Lord's Prayer because he said, God, forgive us our sins, and Jesus never sinned. But that prayer was for us. But he said, give us this day, our our Father, give us this day our daily bread. We recognise, we must recognise, keep a line to God, that everything we have is a gift from Father. Secondly, through one anothering. Philippians 2.4, Paul writes this to the church at Philippi. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the, also to the interests of others. GCA, this church, is outstanding how much goes on behind the scenes in giving. Right? Don't let your right hand know what your left hand giving, um, is giving. Yeah? Keep it anonymous. It's beautiful. Because that way it's safer, because God has the glory, then we don't. And the thing, there's, a, there's something happening in our country at the moment, in, in the church scene, is that people attend church, but they don't want to commit to church. They don't want to commit to the church family. They can, if, particularly if the preaching is good, they'll come along to church, sit in, but they won't commit into becoming members of a local church. We believe in membership. As many, many churches do. The, diff- the, danger, the, the danger in that is you can come along and you can receive, but because you're not a part of it and building relationships in, in church life in the week, you don't even know where the needs are in church to be able to help. Because do good to all men, especially the household of God. So if you're just attending, there's no way, you, unless you're really walking in supernatural revelation all the time, there's one couple in this one dear couple in our in our church have just moved out and it's it's a huge issue because they just need so much help. Right? But if you're not a part of fellowshipping and family, you wouldn't even be aware to give. If you're isolated, you say, I'm, I'm in survival mode. No, the way you break through survival mode is to keep involved and keep giving because then Jesus says you'll know the true meaning of life because it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's why it's been so wonderful. Our Anne knits, you know, you're not going to be able to do the gardening now, Anne, are you? You know, digging? Of course you're not. But you knit, and such a blessing how you knit for, 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 for young mums. 
it's just how we, it's just, be, it's a simpleness. It's a, be, it's a beautiful simplicity in looking after the needs of others and not after our own. But if you're not a part, if you're just coming and not getting engaged, saying, no, that's why it was so important to, to have 10 minutes, 15 minutes in our meeting today, listening to you two beautiful people say why you want to join Gateway Church. That's important. That's somebody's life. Somebody's life for the last 15 years has been distilled for seven minutes and it was beautiful and thank you for sharing that and thank you for church for, for just bearing and listening. That's precious, isn't it? Thirdly, God provides through supernatural provision. Some of you are going to need supernatural provision. God is the provider, supernaturally. Because Jesus has been given a name above every other name. And now he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. In other words, when we are in desperate need, and there seems no way through, God can arrange things to channel the resources and means we need, especially in days of crisis. And Carol's story a few weeks ago, it was brilliant. Because you saw that, weren't, didn't you? God provided supernaturally for you. And life is never static. This year you may be fine, next year you may be not be. But you need to know that God will provide. And it's an issue with faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. So, Father, grows our faith for provision, both personally and as a church family. In Genesis 22, we have this story of Abraham. He had a promise from God. He, he said, Abraham, through you all the families of the earth we bless, all the nations, all the people groups we bless through you. So, he's training Abraham to believe God for the impossible. And one day, God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, and lead him, take him up to worship, take him to worship with me on the mountain. I want, him to sacri- I want you to sacrifice him to me. Man, that's a... A lot, of, a lot of non-Christians have problems with this story. But that's their problem. But Abraham, in obedience, takes, him, takes Isaac... Uh, up to Mount Moriah, outside Jerusalem, on the edge of where modern-day Jerusalem is. And Isaac is carrying these um, faggots of wood on his back. And he said, who's going to be the sacrifice, Father? And he said, God will provide, son. God will provide. And Abraham builds the altar, and he places his future on the altar. You will have situations like that in your lifetime when God will ask you to sacrifice the very thing that will guarantee your future. Without any call of God, there is no sacrifice. I tell you that. Without any genuine call of God, if there's no sacrifice to it, I question it. And Abraham took his son, through which God had promised to bless him to the nations your only son, and he laid him on the sacrificial altar. He was about to light the, the fire. The fire already had been lit, and he drew a knife out to kill his son. And at that very moment, God, a voice from heaven, saying, stop, 
now I know that you will obey me right to the right to the end. And he looked. Abraham looked, and he and he saw a ram caught in a thicket. And he realised that God's provision was there. And he took the ram. He unstrapped Isaac. Isaac was free. The promise lived on. And Abraham sacrificed the ram. And it says in Genesis 22, 14, Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. God will take you on occasions in your life to the point where the knife has to go in. House moves, jobs, family. Man, he's a good father. But he's after us to grow in faith and bigger trust in him. For this church, pray for the trustees. They've got to work with us as we're taking steps of faith down the, down the future. We believe God is going to provide for this church. We are saving. Yes, we are. We're going to have another offering in, in October. We've got about, well, I'm not going to say how much we've got because it will go public, but those of you know, you know how much we've got. It's not enough, but it's some. But that's why we are praying month, 24 hours of prayer on a regular basis. God, you have got to provide for us. We want, to, we want you to prove to us, God, that you are faithful, that you will provide a house for us. Why? Because he's a good God. Because there's only so much PA people can take being here six hours on a Sunday morning. If, let alone, if only for that purpose, God will provide for us. Because God's a good God. He's a father. But in the meantime, church, we pray. We pray. You don't know, we may not have this school one day. But God will be faithful. So Abraham called that place. The Lord will provide. Scroll forward 1,500 years. There's a man walking up, not with up the same hill, not with a bundle of sticks of wood, but just one crossbeam of wood on his shoulders. As he staggers up there under the load, he comes to the top of ancient Mount Moriah and he's nailed to it. Same mountain. The same mountain. God will never ask you or I to do something that he wouldn't do himself. Where he asked Isaac, detested Isaac with his own son. God let his own son be sacrificed for you and I. That's provision. That's provision. And he bled and died for our sin. I want to say to you, there's provision for your sin. Well, I'll never sin again. Yeah, but you do. There's provision. There's provision. But the enemy will, enemy will say, did God say he'd really forgive you? Yes, he did. In Romans Chapter 8, verse 32. Paul's right to the Roman church. He said this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also graciously give us all things? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You may have been hurt by church in the past, but you've got to learn to trust again. You've got to learn to trust again. We have to keep trusting again. I just want to close by saying this. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm I'm really saying it to you about myself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I wish at times goodness and mercy would precede me. No, it follows me. I've got to keep moving on, being willing to overcome the hurdles. But his promise to me as a child of God that his goodness and mercy, like two little terriers, will follow me all the days of my life. And it's true for you. It's true for this church. I want to say there are some musicians. Could you get up to the top? I just sense the Holy Spirit today um, wanting to impart fresh faith for those of you at this moment in time are in moments of crisis. Pete picked up a part of this prophetically. But if you know that you're, you're walking up Mount Moriah at the moment and you need God's supernatural help, I want you to stand right where you are. And you say, because it will happen to you sometime or other in your life, Christian life. If it's not happening to anybody at the moment, well, great, praise God. But if it is, let's pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else too? Just acknowledge it. Just look at the church. This is, these are our friends. <laughs> You're becoming our friend. And can we just get round as we worship? Just pray. Pray God's supernatural. It's faith they need. It's faith. And we need faith, don't we? And if Jesus had prayed for Peter, it said, Simon Peter, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. I think that's a good prayer we can pray for our brothers and sisters and friends. Pray that their faith would not fail but actually get stronger. There'd be an impartation of supernatural, Holy Spiritful faith that you could say, through you I can run through a troop, I can smash through a wall because it's through faith we overcome the world. And the rest of us let us stand and worship. So we create an atmosphere of God-centeredness, the Holy Spirit. You just worship. This just God just inhabits the praises of his people. So Lord, let your spirit come. Let your spirit come.
It's who you are. It's who you are. 